Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Caleb Smith. I'm Terrell Couch. And I'm Torrance Witherspoon. And today, we're Dangerously Likely to enter a summer renaissance. Let's go above the fold with this week's headlines. All right, y'all. So this week, uh, as an update to our main story last week, the Senate passed the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, reviving some of Biden's agenda after Senator Kristen Sinema announced she would also support the bill. So here's a general overview of what the bill does and the changes Sinema was able to make. Didn't we to already it do this before agreeing? <laughs> yeah, one week ago, but still, <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. So. This bill is the biggest investment in tackling climate change that has ever been passed. $370 billion will go towards climate efforts, such as incentivizing individual Americans and industries to rely more on renewable energy sources than fossil fuels. It sets a methane fee. It helps disadvantaged communities by cleaning up pollution and much more. The estimation is that this bill will push America to 40% of its goal to be carbon neutral by 2030. Um, and then there's some other provisions in there for $64 billion. The bill also extends subsidies um, in the Affordable Care Act, uh, health insurance policies for another three years. The bill will also allow Medicare to begin negotiating drug prices, 10 of the most expensive drugs by 2026, and will increase the number of drugs negotiated over time, um, depending on different criteria it outlines. However, the Senate parliamentarian denied a provision that would have also lowered a prescription, prescription cost for Americans on private insurance. And the Republicans blocked it during the Voterama. Yes, because Republicans suck. Yeah, and it, you all should all know that. <laughs> well, and the Voterama itself was just a really frustrating use. Like again, another frustrating use of uh, procedural rules just to be assholes. But like that's how it always is. We don't do that. Yes, we do. We didn't. We yes, we, we don't did. do that quite. Yes, we did quite as for often. Reconciliations for reconciliation. We did the exact same but, thing. We just never had the votes to get anything to change. But the point is that that we shouldn't. Neither did they be doing reconciliations. I mean, they did. That's why they were able to do it. But anyway, um, so taking out the the parliamentarian removed the cap on insulin, and the Democrats were see, hoping to use the Votorama to add an amendment and allow for it to carry because every single Republican decided not to vote in vote on that. It still needed the 60 vote threshold and that's why it failed. So like that's how it happened. The Democrats have done the same thing in Votoramas for um, Republican reconciliation bills. They've just never had enough votes to even be relevant enough or also important to recognize here. The Republicans, when they go through reconciliation, don't, fight for the average American. So when you hear about things that the Democrats are pulling up, we know that it's not going to pass and we don't get the same kind of coverage. This is a great instance where it's it's irresponsible, can't say the other word right now, for the conservative party to ever say that they care about Americans, they care about blue collar, they care about the working class, when they would not allow for a cap on insulin, something that saves people's lives because they find it to be socialistic. So like I have to push back because yes, the Democrats have done this in reconciliation before. However, this is a bigger issue that the conservative party could not allow for any of their members to say, yeah, $35 is 
a pretty but good not benchmark things for that we life. not things that we patently agree with. That's what I said. They I'm don't saying. agree with We've that. Never, apparently, we have never. That's I. F- I find that to be bullshit. They have. I think that that politically they're saying they don't because they don't want us to get the win on that. But the, yeah, I feel like I can count seven, seven to maybe even close to ten senators who have publicly talked about the cost of insulin and, and it needing to be capped. But they, God forbid, they allow it to be in a bill that is passed by our party. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is we don't we don't openly vote against things out of out of spiteful politics when we, when we have, when we have campaigned on it or principally believe in it before. And, and n- there's no comparable than the insulin issue. There's no, there is no comparable example of us doing the same. But again, that's because the Republicans would never pass anything like this. Like, yes. And we would never see this from a conservative party. They don't, they don't care about average Americans. I think that needs to be a bigger narrative that we're carrying along here. Um, that, we would never hear about the conservatives talking about negotiations for Medicare and Medicaid. We would never hear about them extending ACA because they've actively been trying to destroy it. They don't talk about climate change. Like all of these provisions, I'm, I'm granting you that, Torrance. But um, I do think you can say that, yeah, the Democrats never attack things like this because the Democrats care about average Americans compared to their counterparts on the other side of the aisle that have now demonstrated time and time again that they do not. You guys can all see where my brain's been at for the last week. Real, real, <laughs> real clued in. <laughs> I think Republicans are pissed off that there's a deal here and they've, I think yes. it's allowed us to notch some legislative yes. victories over the past couple of weeks, which is great. Um, Sorry, yeah, we completely multiple. took over your well, above you, the fold. <laughs> y'all just had a discussion about my next point that I didn't get to, which was <laughs> the insulin cap of $35 a month for Americans. So, um, everyone covered by Medicare, uh, the cap was passed in the bill, but again, the parliamentarian denied a provision that would have placed the same cap on private insurance. So everyone that gets insulin through private insurance, um, there is no $35 a month cap on that. Now you pay a thousand, yeah, 1200, 1300 yeah, even whatever the obnoxious price is. Uh, the IRS will also get $80 billion to enforce the tax code more efficiently and effectively which basically means making sure everyone is paying their fair share of taxes, especially the wealthy, actually mainly the wealthy. Um, On taxes, this bill creates a 15% minimum tax on corporations with profits over $1 billion. Senator Kristen Sinema was able to insert some exceptions for manufacturers and private equity firms. She was also able to protect the carried interest loophole, which also helps private equity firms. And we discussed that last week as well. She Um, played politics. Yep, she did. But I mean... There will be a 1% excise tax that came tax that came out of this on corporation stock buybacks, which are currently not taxed at all, which is expected to raise around $73 billion in revenue. And overall, even with the changes, this bill will still decrease the federal deficit by three to $400 billion. I know we've already taken a decent amount of your above the fold, um, Caleb, but I would just like to highlight, while you might disagree with the politics that Kirsten Cinema has oh, taken. Bullshit. I don't want to hear this. No way. I want to hear you this might right disagree now. with the politics that Kirsten Cinema might have taken <laughs> in this space. She played politics. She is a politician and understands where her money comes from that funds her. I'm not saying that she's in the right. I'm not saying that she's in the wrong, but I am saying the way we have acted and responded to a bisexual female that sits in the Senate is egregious. Like we we don't treat 
politicians really the think same? That my disdain for her has no, anything to do with I'm not her talking about you specifically. You're just angry, which is because fair. it's poor. Because it's terrible. I mean, it's it's good politics, quote unquote, since she played the game. Yeah, it's for, good for her. But that's what you're gonna hold up on these things. That's so fucking shameful. And she's a Democrat. It's ridiculous. When when you're playing in a system, that is what you have to hold up. I was recently in a um, conference, and someone said, I think one of the most profound like things happy. I've heard in a while. We can't keep pretending like we have all these other cards in the deck or we play different cards. Like we have to act on what cards we have. And while you might be angry at what Kirsten Cinema has done, she recognizes that in her current situation as a Democrat from Arizona that narrowly won her first election, she does need to ensure that she has backing from certain funders. She does need to carry the interests that have allowed for her to be here. I don't agree with that by any means. I think Citizens United was one of the worst decisions the Supreme Court has ever made. But as a female in the Senate who has power, she is doing what every male before her ever has done. And it does frustrate me personally, both as a bisexual and as a minority, to watch as people from the left ream her and ruin her and say all of these nasty things about her with no regard that every male before her has done the exact same thing. And I think that is a message that does need to be brought up in the situation. You can be mad at her politics all you want, but to attack her for playing the game based on the cards that she was dealt, in my personal opinion, is just wrong. But I've been just as critical of the of the man playing the game in this just as well. Some white dude from West Virginia. Torrance. But I'm saying, but I'm, but I'm saying like people like there are probably a lot of people who share the same opinion. It has nothing to do with her being a woman or being bisexual. And if anything, it's it's that you're a woman and you're bisexual, so you should actually we, we do have a higher expectation because we think that you're looking out for the people that are in your they're in your constituency that are in the communities that you're a part of. Like and also her approval rating could be doing better in Arizona, not because she secures from funding from from fundraisers who have private equity firms, but by voting for the things that her actual constituents, the one that voted her in and worked hard, vote for things that are going to help them. And yes, that some of the things in this bill are going to help them, but that, she has but, but she also pushed back on a lot of things that are no longer in the bill. That she pushed back on in her corporate state tax one. rates and hedge funds, which also Arizona is known for having a lot of. Like you can make the constituent argument, but we we have to again own the cards that we have. Corporations are people. This is the world that we live in in a dying democracy, and I do not support or agree with it. She is but, ailing, but her decision to make those choices are emblematic and reflective of her own constituents, the ones that are showing up for her, the ones that are going there. We we have a tendency to view America as this... We don't tend to see states individualistically. Arizona as a state is not necessarily a state that's jumping and hurrahing about this reconciliation bill, especially as you watch one of the most contentious governor races that we're ever going to have. So yes, I agree with a lot of these points and, and as a person who's a little bit more progressive, I'm angry about certain things. However, I do have to give and grant that Kirsten Sinema as a Senator from Arizona is not necessarily going to have the same exact interests or carry the things the same way as California, New York, hell, even Michigan. It, I don't know. For me, it, it sucks to see 48 out of 50 Democrats, two Democrats are the ones that usually hold up or take away some important provisions of stuff that we want. You know, if we had, if we had two senators who were, I don't know, 
not Kristen Cinema or Joe Manchin, we probably would have almost all of Joe Biden's Build Back Better bill. Yeah, we probably would well. have almost all of it. And so, like, like I love. I'm so glad that this bill was passed. Don't get me wrong. Largest investment in climate change. But I do want to remind everyone that Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan had way more climate change spending, like hundreds of billions of dollars more. And how, where would, would we have be kept from the, that? It would have kept the child tax credit alive. Yeah, I was like, like child tax credit, um, in, child care. Investments uh, in, I mean, like um, housing and urban development, more things in transit. Yeah, I again, I'm not disagreeing with any of these points, but I do think we need to stop pretending like this could have been different. Well, well, that's where I want to, that's what I want to hit on because I think that the point is like, yes, I think we can understand why cinema and mansion act the way they do. Yeah. We both know and talked about the on states this pod, they come from. Yeah. the state, not only the states they come from, but the interests that are with them and yeah. kind of paying them and stuff. And we, we know a lot of that and we still got a bill like this, which is great. Um, but I think it really goes to show how important it is that Democrats not only keep the House Senate uh, this midterm cycle, but also gains more senators and more House members that um, vote the way that we want yeah. them to. Right. We get another opportunity at reconciliation next term if the yep. Senate can manage to stay Democrat and somehow or another, the House also manages to stay Democrat. And like that's that's my key here is. I'm not going to get mad at Christian Cinema for playing the game. However, I am going to advocate and fight for us changing the cards that we currently are being dealt. Because just as you highlighted, Caleb, um, there's an opportunity to still pass Joe Biden's full human infrastructure build back better plan mm -hmm. next term if we get out and vote in droves. Yes. Well, and I'll say this, and it's probably a very like terrible, like judgmental thing for me to have, but like I just like my a really big sticking point with her is like. I just feel like she, I, everything feels disingenuous. I feel like I have not heard her make a case for something where I'm like, you genuinely care about the things that you're talking about. None of it does. None of it does. At least with Joe Manchin, I'm like, you know what? I, we do not agree. But I actually think you deeply believe what you're saying. And I think that you do believe that it's what your constituents want. I don't get that from her. And that's a frustrating for me. It does feel like she is political. She's a political hack. And that's how she acts. And all of her politicking is like, evidence of that. And I, and I just think that that's very, very frustrating. I actually, agree. I actually kind of agree with that because I think it really started when I don't remember what the vote was exactly, but remember when she was voting and she literally looked at the camera and went, yeah, like, who are you? This is not a game show. But like, also yeah. you recognize like that is a thing that media did to again, paint her in that light. Like she just did that. And it's because they Nobody decided to, it's because have you seen half of the senators don't even she show was up to vote John McCain and half his the, was to save health care. So like half of the senators don't even apples. show up to vote. They just send in a proxy. She was there. She voted no and moved on with you her life. In your but again, Senator Cinema. I think we just did this without actually saying what we did. Yeah, they she did turned the, to the camera and, and did a thumbs down. That's what we're talking about. I, <laughs> I think, I think that is a recognition that Kirsten Cinema got prompted up into the political spectrum without people fully understanding her background, what she is, where she comes from. I do think she cared a lot about this bill. If you remember, she was actually mad at Manchin for not passing an earlier version of reconciliation because she was on board with everything and it did not include these tax loopholes, which happened without her input. 
She used to be I'll, a part I'll of concede that. I'll concede she used that, to be a part true. of the Green Party. I don't think, and I mean, she did not attack anything in the climate provisions. She had very clear understanding of what she did not like and has always been that way. And I do, and this is my point, I do think that we have a tendency in media to be disingenuous towards women or any form of minority. And I've just been seeing more of that specific to her when she was the one actually trying to get Manchin to sign on to a bigger bill than this one was. And no one was championing her there. But now she decides to stand up for things that we already knew she wasn't going to like. And everyone's hopping down her throat and saying certain things. So like, not here to be an apologist yeah. for Christian cinema, but I do think that the way we approach this is not fair to her. I can concede that media has a problem with framing her, but she's a corporate Democrat and that's the shit I can't stand. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one, Torrance. Um, on to another corporate asshole. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you're kind of right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Cinema, don't get any worse, get better. <laughs> In reporting from CNN, the FBI executed a search warrant Monday at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort in Palm Beach, Florida, as part of an investigation into the handling of presidential documents, including classified documents, that may have been brought there, three people familiar with the situation shared with CNN. The Justice Department has two known active investigations connected to the former president, one of the effort one of the effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election and January 6, 2021, and the other involving the handling of classified documents. The National Archives, charged with collecting and sorting presidential material, has previously said at least 15 boxes of White House records were recovered from Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort, including some that were classified. Christina Bob, Trump's attorney, confirmed in a statement that the FBI seized documents saying, quote, President Trump and his legal team have been cooperative with FBI and DOJ officials every step of the way. The FBI did conduct an unannounced raid and seized paper, end quote. The former president was at his Trump Tower penthouse when the search was conducted and FBI officials were in contact with the Secret Service team at Mar-a-Lago before the raid in an effort to make sure there were no complications. The extraordinary move to search the home of a former president raises the stakes for the Justice Department and comes as Trump's legal problems continue on multiple fronts. Trump is also expected in the coming months to announce he will launch another bid for the White House in 2024. This one is an evolving story, gentlemen. Um, The details of what exactly was seized, what was the overall intent, obviously we know that this is largely based on, um, in connection with the investigation surrounding mishandling of classified documents and not or not explicitly or openly about um, the investigation into overturning the election or January 6th. But my assumption is that as you do when you when you execute a search warrant legally, if you find any other documentation within the confines of that search warrant that merit further investigation to other crimes, that is a legal use of that warrant is to take those, take those documents as well. Um, I know specifically that they... Um, were given access to his safe, which who knows what was in there could be absolutely nothing um, and could be something quite serious. I think that because he's such a complete dumbass, you really can't make a, an accurate judgment of what could be in in a in a safe of someone like Donald Trump's. Um, it could literally be. I was I was watching CNN earlier, and and Michael Cohen was on, and he was like, "Well, you know, I mean." I think people think it's going to be like, you know, the P-tape signed by Vladimir Putin or something. He was like, <laughs> it was like <laughs> he was like, but, you know, like, honestly, who knows? One Let's could only hope. Oh, my God, that uh, would be incredible. But uh, what are your guys' <laughs> thoughts on this? Obviously, very ridiculous, but interesting um, escalation in the investigation into the former president. One can only hope they found a golden shower <laughs> in his safe. So, <laughs> Mar-a-Lago, more like search-a-Lago, am I right? <laughs> G. 
sus. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I That's don't know that we did, we, we didn't give the uh, the cue to say this is loose apparently, but apparently <laughs> apparently this is real loose. <laughs> Search. I don't know. Is this stiff don't socks? Yeah, we <laughs> completely changed brands. FBI I was like, do we have to? Do we have to change the episode title to Search a Lago? <laughs> Yes, that's a title. Um, <laughs> look, I think that um, this is actually a really big fucking deal. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no, it is. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but like, the memes have also been great. Just as a as a point, <laughs> the um, uh, I mean, so the FBI conducts a search warrant as a, at a president's private property, like they're not doing that without like knowing they're going to find something. They had to get approval from, at bare minimum, the assistant attorney general, an independent judge. No leaks, too. No leaks. And and the head of the FBI had to sign off on this. There were three different levels that could have said this is an overstep. And important to know, the head of the FBI was important. And the head of the FBI was appointed by Donald Trump. So, Yeah. No, yeah, I, but I mean, he was, but he was, uh, but Chris, Christopher Ray was the FBI director prior to Trump as well. Yeah. I mean, like, this is a story that literally just happened yesterday at the time of this recording, and it's, we're probably going to know a lot more in the next couple of days. Probably not. Hopefully. I don't know. But well, let's hear, go ahead, Caleb. Oh, I'm just saying, like, this is, <laughs> I mean, like, this is huge. This is a huge deal. Like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens from this, but to me, it it gives me. We'll see if it's false or not, but it gives me confidence in the DOJ that they're they're actually doing something. Yeah. In terms of, I just feel like there's too many illegal things that have happened for them to bat an eye at this, and it seems like they're not doing it anymore. They're not batting well, they, an eye anymore. Well, I would say that that's also um, evidence for the argument that like this isn't an over an overreach because like if anything, the attorney general has been so trepidatious about his approach to this investigation into the president. And I think that like he would not, they would not take such a severe and un- like, it's not unprecedented. I don't want to say that because you know, uh, mm. Nixon exists, but um, <laughs> like Nixon wasn't there, rated or searched or well, well there, there were warrants conducted of people yeah. close to him, but not him personally. Like this is actually a little bit unprecedented, right? I don't like the DNC was searched. People close well, to no, his campaign someone was searched. Someone else but... has been, and I'm, it's escaping me. I was thinking of this earlier. Another president, I thought. I think. I think so. I think no, it's very no. rare, but it's happened. No, before. I'm pretty sure this is the first time. A, the mishandling a, of classified documents, I feel like, is not. This is not the first time. That is fair, but the Presidential Records Act wasn't passed until after Nixon because of Nixon. Okay. Yeah. I do believe this is the first president to ever. <laughs> former president, I should say, to ever be um, searched by the DOJ or FBI. But again, yeah, but to the point, I mean, we've seen Merrick Garland's very slow walking of this investigation. I just don't think that he would even, that they would approve such a thing or go about it with a raid as they did um, instead of just subpoenaing, obviously, the documents from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to go ahead and read some of the responses coming out of uh, the Republican uh, Party, uh, specifically my least favorite human maybe ever on the Republican Party. Uh, Mitch McConnell? 
uh no mccarthy because he like because you know what here's the thing about mitch let me just a little, little side side note i don't like mitch but he ain't dumb mccarthy i don't like him and he is dumb so like <laughs> like i you know i don't like bad people but i really hate stupid people <laughs> so like um but mccarthy said quote when republicans take back the house we will conduct immediate oversight of this department follow the facts and leave no stone unturned Attorney General Garland, preserve your documents and clear your calendar. Who does this Sesame Street ass character think he is? Like, 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 like he's funny in a tweet, because Sesame Street doesn't like black people and neither does McCarthy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the rails, where are they? Um <laughs> Sesame Place, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on, hold on. I like my one, two, three Sesame Street, okay? Um I was raised on that. <laughs> but but to put in a tweet, like you are some like, I don't know, 20 year old to attorney general garland preserve your documents and clear your counter bitch you haven't even taken back the house yet and you haven't been elected speaker like get over yourself on to the next yeah i mean i don't disagree with you that's my only complaint with all of it not even a complaint because obviously the fbi and doj recognize how sensitive this was so they had no leaks they kept it very close i am very infuriated by the fact that the former president was able to set the narrative call it a raid make it out to be this deep state type argument. And if I'm being transparent, I am concerned because I think his, his cuckoo's nest of people are using this as an opportunity to further escalate, escalate and threaten not only democracy, but individual people. Um, So that's my only concern with where we're at right now. I th- I think it is worth noting that like the response from Republicans as usual is actually pretty scary. Um, <laughs> like they are truly anti-democratic. Um, not even it's their initial reactions to, they don't even know the details of what happened. Yeah. And this it's, is how it's, they're reacting to it. That's really not great. Not well, great. But it's not new, right? It's not new. It's, right? not it's, new. it's this continuance of this absolute blind loyalty. Yep. Yep. Just that for has walked to vote a lot of people that has ended up with a lot of people in courtrooms and in jail. Like what, what is this calculus being made? I, at this point, I don't like, it is so hard to determine whether or not like this is just blind loyalty or like if it's something so much more insidious, you know what I mean? Like it just, it, it, it begs the question. Have they gotten too deep a lago? <laughs> oh <Wow>. my God. <laughs> Are we on a road trip with these dad jokes? My gosh. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Moving I was, on. <laughs> I was just going to give a quick shout out to our Twitter. I think, it worded it the best that this is a ramification of when alternative facts become an alternative reality. I think that, I think that's where we're at. Like, I don't want to believe that they're just so blind loyal. I do think, I do believe that people truly believe all of the alternative facts that they heard over the last four years and think this is reality. And now we are unfortunately stuck in a mess that can result in some real harm. It will, and, and to that point, to wrap up this 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 story, I I but since I wrote you know the piece for my above the fold, I have been watching the news since, and they are talking about how on these online forums, these pro Trump online forums, that there have been like really aggressive conversation about the incitement of of civil war because of the the search and this raid being conducted on the former president. Like these people, like they have created such dangerous scenarios. With the amount of with the with the lying and the, the the misinformation and the disinformation campaigns, it's it's truly to a place that is is deeply concerning. And I no longer believe that like um these lo- these um, these high level of the high level of fear about the state of our democracy is no longer hyperbolic. 
in any way, right? In no way. Not that it has been since January 6th and before, but it just truly isn't at this point. Let's check out the international fold. Continuing our coverage of the Russian-Ukrainian war, the geopolitical fallout of Russia's unprecedented escalation in the region continues to play out across every aspect of civilian life. News broke early Tuesday as clouds of smoke erupted from the Crimea Peninsula um, illegitimately annexed by Moscow back in um, 2014, following a series of explosions on the Saki Air Base. Russia has yet to determine the cause. However, Kiev military officials are crediting their forces with a successful attack of the base um, as a, a real big message and, and impact to Russia. On the ground, forces find themselves in a quagmire, guessing each other's moves with the expansive nature of combat. As a tactical choice, Russia um, has been taking to nuclear plants for shelter. Um, Their forces are using these areas and spaces to limit combat, but this is rising the threat of radiation leaks if the conflicts are to arise. Counter to this, the United Nations recently released a report Um, citing that Ukrainian forces are taking shelter in civilian locations, increasing human harm. Since the report, however, Kiev has continued to forcibly point to the war crimes from Moscow while also dismissing these allegations. While this war is between Ukraine and Russia, European nations are well aware of their role. On Tuesday, officials in Hungary, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic confirmed Russia has stopped supplying oil to them, blaming this on payment issues caused by European sanctions. It's important to note these three nations were exempt from the European Union's oil ban as they rely heavily on Russian imports for energy. Also, this is just highlighting the geopolitical calculations Russia is taking to potentially ignite an energy war. Across Europe, um, we're seeing that Sweden, the UK, and Canada are taking forces and supporting Ukrainians um, and training their troops as they move on with combat. We at Dangerous Likely will continue to follow the conflict taking place in Ukraine and update you as we learn more. Check out our Facebook and Twitter pages for updates through the week. Other major stories from around the globe, United States President Joe Biden signs approval for the membership of Sweden and Finland to NATO. A three-day ceasefire agreement was reached between Israel and a Palestinian militant group after Israeli military operations fired dozens of missiles into um, the Palestine region on Friday. And following a visit by the United States Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, Beijing has continued to increase its aggressive posture towards Taiwan, facilitating multiple military offensives um, and also firing rockets over the Democratic island. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Um, So thank you to you two for waiting a week to talk about this so that I could be here because you know that I would cry if you had a robust conversation about the queen without me. Um, and if that's not a hint to our listeners, obviously Queen Elizabeth, about- what happened to oh, her? Shut up. I can't even get a good intro guys, because he just, he has to say something. You said queen. Uh, <laughs> I got confused because I normally do international politics. So continue. 
Well, uh, no, we're, we're, we're keeping it central right here um, to the U.S. with Queen Beyonce. Um, as we get into the culture conversation today, we want to kick it off with a discussion around Beyonce's seventh studio album, Renaissance, which released on July 29th. Um, this is her seventh solo studio album, and it debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 200, um, which at the same day, the single from the um, album Break My Soul shot up to number one on the Hot 100 singles chart, and that made her eighth number one as a solo artist. Um, this is her first full-length album solo project since 2016's Instant Classic Lemonade. Of course, in the meantime, she has released um, the film Black is King, her collaboration album with husband Jay-Z, Everything is Love, launched her fashion line Ivy Park with Adidas, and of course, we can't forget her live album Homecoming, celebrating her iconic Beach Hall performance in 2018. I want to read this because I thought it was so succinctly and beautifully written, um, a, a piece from the Guardian Review, review b- written by Kitty Empire. She says, quote, Renaissance, her seventh solo outing, finds Beyonce at her very Sasha fiercest, dropping F-bombs like loose change, straddling lovers like a dominatrix, strutting around a loud, bass-filled space carved out in great part by queer music makers of color, an arena explicitly dedicated to Black joy and sensual pleasure, end quote. I loved that because it was so beautifully descriptive of like, I think a lot of the different one influences on the album and collaborations. Um, But the feel of the album, it feels so expressly um, about black queer spaces, about black joy, about feeling sexy, about feeling hot, about um, paying homage to black and black queer creators of the past. Um, And honestly, like one one of my favorite things is that like alien superstar is such like, um, like 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 a bop and that like the, the amount of writers on that is is so cool because it's her giving a lot of um credit to original original writers of songs that she sampled as well as artists who put those those songs out in the 90s and didn't get either the money or the recognition that they deserved and putting them um crediting them on this uh, on alienist alien superstar is going to you know grab the bag for them and i just think that that's like looking out for your people um but before we get deep into our faves and stuff what are your guys' thoughts on the album have you given it a listen of course. I feel like you have to give it a listen or yeah. else you would have yeah. missed out on life. Um, I just want to piggyback off one point that you made, Torrance. I think that is such a succinct way to speak to this album, but also it's important to recognize that Beyonce chose to dedicate this album to her Uncle Johnny, who is uh, yes, thank a you. queer male, um, who actually died during to due to the HIV AIDS epidemic. And this is when you take that into context, I think in this album, it's easy to get lost into the dance vibe and into the music. But when you take that into context, this is such a very amazing tribute from a niece to her uncle who she got to spend a short amount of time with because a country that he belonged to didn't care about him, who he was, what he was doing. Um, and not only or pay him or his community and not only pay homage to that, but also like, give him a beat that he would have been proud of or that he could have enjoyed in his day and in his life. And when he was being his true person. So I just, I think when, for all the things I might say later about this album, I think when I take that into context and when I put that in there, it really does solidify the importance of this album, not only for Beyonce, but for the queer community. Well, and to that point, cause it almost makes me like, I, 
very emotional because like, I, I did know that um but like it adds another layer to the concept of the the project being called renaissance right which obviously as we know is is means rebirth and that could talk that's that's rebirth obviously talking about her uncle talking about her music a change in, in direction of the sound a rebirth of these sounds from the the, the disco era from the the 80s and 90s queer house music era like i just think that it, it's so multi-layered the thought behind um everything in it caleb I I really like the album. I feel like the more I listen to it, the better it gets. Yes. Um, I, I, you kind of mentioned it already, but like it just, it's just an album that feels good. It kind of like she wrote it during COVID. It feels like an album that it's like, it's, it is truly time for a new Renaissance. And this is like kicking it off. And that's kind of what it feels like to me. It feels like I just want to like go to a club and dance to most of the album, if not all of it. And just have a good time with friends and people and stuff. And, you know, now that we're, I don't know, we're still kind of in dark times, I guess, but it's been three years <laughs> you, of pandemic. You guess. <laughs> and, and, and right into the next one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Whatever. But I'm focusing on Beyonce's Renaissance, so I'm not going to pay attention to the bad shit. <laughs> well, as we you know, this is going to be... Some might say. Well, you know, what's just so crazy, like, I saw a tweet about this, like, as you bring up Break My Soul, like, I obviously, like, I liked it, you know, I think we talked when it came out, like, how we both immediately didn't, like, get giddy about it, we're like, I mean, it's not bad, we're just not, like, excited as we thought we would be, that, like, in context of the album, though, I actually feel the same, like, oh, see, I don't (laughs) still feel the exact same about it, when I wasn't, when I listened to it by itself, I still don't feel as hype about it. When I listened to it in the track order, it just felt like it seemed, it fit right in it to did. the sound of the album. And I, it, it, it almost gave it a different kind of listening experience. I do feel like, and maybe this is that listening experience, but I do feel like the album version of the song is slightly different than the single release. And I know understanding production, understanding music there's just no way like that's a lot of work and to have two versions of a song that you drop in tandem with one another insane but there are some notes in break my soul on the album that just do not sound the same as when it first got released in any context and it's like in the middle of the song but all that's say well, i still feel I know she I don't like it that was much. taking out a sample that um, was in energy which i i do love only because I love the opening line. That's not really it. Like I love, I love like the first like few lines of um, energy and um, and I also like. So, so yeah, let's get into it a little bit. Let's, let's yeah, I was gonna say, songs. let me just rip let's, off the scab. Let's talk some, let's talk some songs. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just rip off the scab real quick. So I think energy is a great way for uh, me to explain how I feel about this album. Um, it's fine. I enjoy it. Oh, I've my listened God. to it just. <laughs> Just listen. I'm listening. But I think energy, Virgo's groove. I mean, I feel this way about Break My Soul. As a person who has never been big in the dance scene, like I enjoy the beats. I will bop to them. I will move to them. But I I appreciate the whole conversation we had on like Taylor Swift's 10 minute version of All Too Well, where there was just a bunch of meaning and a bunch of lyrics to dissect. I very much struggle with this album because energy plays and I love the beginning and I love the end, but I could not tell you what's happening in the middle of it. That's why for me, that's that's fair. That's why for me, songs like cozy, um, all, all up in your mind are just to me phenomenal because not only are the lyrics on par, 
but the way she changes and uses her voice in both of those songs are immaculate. And I think one song that doesn't get enough credit, I mean, we were bopping to it when we first started, is Thick, because not only does she have some fun lyrics there that make you dance and make you have fun, but she takes her own voice and auto-tunes it in two different notes, then cuts right back to a normal singing. And it's that type of artistry that I just am so impressed with in those songs. But as an album overall, meh. Does every album have to have yes. so much meaning? 100%. I don't think so. I think it can just be a good, like an album to like get away from the dark world around us. I think it can just be a fun album to listen to and, you know, get groovy too and whatnot, you know? Get groovy too. Get- <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I just like that. You know, I am like not on either side of the argument actually we made here. I actually think it's all of it. But I've always felt that way about music. Like I... I think the writing process, the intent, the mm-hmm. the the producing, the sound of it, the like all of that is a part of my calculus when I like when I like an album, right? When I like a song, I might be look, looking at those things, but on a single, like I'm traditionally trying to be entertained by what I'm hearing and be moved to either emotion or moved to literal movement by dancing. But like on an album, on a project, when it's like here is all of this very intentional effort being put in, and here's why, like that yeah. is a a total part of the calculus and sometimes that has saved my assessment or 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 lack of critique on an album because i may not love the sound but i'm so fascinated by how they got there and and the artistry that it took to to pull that project all the way together but in this one i don't feel that way because i like i love that the whole concept of the album like but it, the sound is doing all the work on its own it doesn't even need the supplemental you know i agree points for 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 creativity for thought and intention I personally disagree. See, I love I what I, something that I really <laughs> like, and I was kind of telling you this earlier um, in the week. I think uh, I really love just the sound of this album. I love the layers, like just in like the first song. Um, I'm that girl. Like you love that song. I do actually really like that song, but I love I love that. Like it's not just that song. There's a few others that she has where she is she has lyrics that she's singing that are in the background as mm-hmm. part of the actual sound and music that come to more of a forefront at certain points in the song like heated's kind of like that too yeah. and i really think that like those kind of layers i just i'm in love with like the sounds of this album yeah by no means the, can we disagree with the transitions of these tracks oh, like incredible. i mean so like it's literally i was going song. to I was going to say that like a quote Kitty Empire from from the Guardian's review, she literally says the segues are so good they deserve their own Grammy category. And I could not agree more. Like, like when we because yeah. I stayed up on the 29th, I was at a at a bachelorette party that weekend with one of my best friends who loves Beyonce. And we sat up at midnight outside on, on the lake and just listened to the album straight through. And I was like, I was brought to like dancing, I was brought to tears. I was just like so and I literally one of the things that I said at the end of the album, I was like teary-eyed and I said, I'm just happy it's good because I was so anxious for her that like, she's not allowed to fuck up. She's not allowed to fail. She's not allowed for something to not be brilliant or, or, or to change the game. And like, that's an immense amount of pressure. And of course she has like set that pressure upon herself for being so brilliant. And that's why she obviously is, is raised to the status that she, that she is. But as an individual who just loves music and understands like how, how frustrating and hard bringing a creative project together can be and how much you're burying your soul when you put it out there. Like I just was so nervous for her because God forbid, you know, one album not be amazing and everyone just loses their shit. Right. Like, like she loses all credibility for the six, the, the, the six prior amazing albums. Um, yeah. 
I wanted to get into some specific songs though because I I have I started off with like three originally like when I first listened to it the first time thinking oh that one's standing out that one's standing out now it's like becoming like the whole fucking album because okay because I'm I you know I'm a, uh, with my parents and you guys know this like I am a student of disco and of eighties music and nineties R and B and hip hop so like I like there are songs where, like I know what's being interpolated on the song what sample is being used Same. and what song it comes from like as i heard it i was like literally sitting there listening to it the first time i was like that is and it's i mean the first note of summer renaissance i was like this is donna summer yeah it's hard like, not to know that like, in summer like, renaissance. like um, yeah like immediately and i was like oh my god what a way to end it but with like, a donna summer sample cuff it having um tina marie interpolated uh, and sample like the uh, minute i heard that song i'm like yes. i like this why do I like this? I look, ah, yes, Tina Marie song. All makes Cuffet sense now. Cuffin is giving. Cuffin is giving. Like, I can vibe so oh, hard to it and queer. sing it. Like, it, and, well, well, that's what the album is for. The album <laughs> is for the queers, okay? And Church Girl is, like, one of my favorite songs since Upgrade You. I love Church Girl. Um, and then I only like the fact that she calls Jay-Z out on that song, I must say. Like, the song itself, meh. But... It must no, be the cash because it's ancient face. face. <laughs> is the only thing that matters on that entire song. Hands and down. I, uh, yeah, no, it's it's so so good. No, but the lyricism's great. Like, yeah. and I think it's because like I have like I didn't say this to my dad yet. My mom's gonna listen to this and she's gonna be like, "Yep." Like I have like my dad was raised Pentecostal, and, like so I have a bunch of like cousins who were raised in the church as well, and like who are like some of my my favorite most fun cousins. But like they obviously were like raised up until we were like fourteen or fifteen, like in a very like conservative church environment mm-hmm. like like you know we couldn't listen to like rap music or hip-hop music or like they wore skirts all the time and didn't watch like pg-13 movies and like as we got older like they became my cousins that were like down to be on that bad behavior and like like i could see them still got church in the morning dancing yeah <laughs> dancing to the song specifically and just like losing it um and i just loved that so much because it was like it was a vivid visual for me um, but I would have to say, like, still consistently right now, my favorite song is Pure Honey. Like, Honey deserved um, to be its own song. I it it did. Was. Honestly, I just wish it was. Because I love the first out of Pure, but it's not until she's devils on my shoulder that I'm literally, yeah. like, losing my cool altogether. <laughs> um, it's like, for real. Um, tell us more, Kayla. What are you loving about it? What am I loving about it? Every time I show up to his place, because I'm probably blasting it, and he's like, ah, there's Terrell. And he's listening to... And I'm also blasting it. Cozy? No, I think that's thick. Maybe he It's is. the only good song on the album. I'll open your mind. True. <laughs> Kidding. I just... I don't I don't know. I feel like I've said a lot of what I like about it. I I mean, what's specific the songs? songs? I mean, I love I'm That Girl. I don't know. I just... I think it's a great way to open the album, honestly. Just like her saying, showing up looks so good, you know? <laughs> I'm, yes, like, no, I'm like real. I'm like damn that's a power move and this album is going to be great like the minute that I heard those first couple lines um, and, and then again I just like love the like honestly it's interesting because at first I had a couple songs that I just like really like the sound to immediately like I'm that girl was one heated was one thick was one um, even all up in your mind I really liked um, I, I really like what she does with her voice and all up in your mind actually like and how so it gets raspy at points it's the best yeah. song you're I, correct it, but this that was like right away and then like like i said before every time that i listen to it like i feel like it gets better and honestly like it's hard to say if i have a favorite now because i'm just like i'm hyped whenever any of these songs are on these days 
<laughs> like, like I've been listening to Summer Renaissance a lot this week. I really like that one. Um, church Girl, man, I dance to that. I love. I dance. Are to you that. a Church Girl? Yeah. <laughs> you just I, you have the cash, or do you uh, have the I'm face? Not joking. What? I, I well, I don't have the cash yet, but the face been there since '93. <laughs> <laughs> Jay-Z could never. <laughs> oh my god. Did I did you send me that TikTok? Yeah. Yeah. I was 100%. like, I you've like you've said he sends me so many TikToks, guys, but this one has to be the best. Like, like this has to be the best one you've ever sent me before. You know he was in the club or in the studio, like, wait, look, me? I also I also saw one about him about like it was like Jay-Z's reaction to, to B showing him church girl. I was like, B, you can't put gospel in that song. That ain't cool. The church ladies ain't gonna like that. The church ladies like to shake their asses too, because um, they well, thick with a. Key. Do you guys have a notable like lyric? Because I like that you really like from the album. Oh God, probably. <laughs> like, I mean, well, I, I can like, use the one that hit me this today that I told y'all about. The kiss me oh, after but, you bruise me, where I was like, uh, yes, I'm like put the explicit on this up, <laughs> like. I know that's one. Hmm, how do I how do I dance into this? One, I appreciate when Beyonce lets that side out and isn't trying to be the model person for every per, for every group of just like this is what we do. Like this is what happens behind the scenes. This is who I am. This is what I enjoy. But also, like sometimes you just got to be proud that you like to do things and. I'm intrigued specifically with that lyric in that song um, with the controversy that's happened with this album, if you want to call it controversy, but also the controversy other artists have faced when they talk about um, things that might be categorized as kinky or provocative. I'm intrigued to see how the beehive either shields and protects Beyonce for saying something that in any other situation would be called out as domestic violence or is there a now robust and nuanced conversation around that where it's not shame and and a mistreatment for certain things, but really truly an intentionality to understand and learn from people what's happening in their relationship and being there for people. So I have a bigger reason to like it other than just the kink of it. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's fair. I, you know, my mom, like, and she's gonna be listening to this, blank. Like, oh, you just gonna keep bringing my name up, are you? Um, <laughs> but, like, her and my, my uncle mom. were listening to it, talking about like how like overtly sexual it is, and I was like, yeah, she a grown ass woman. Like, she's like, yeah, she's got three kids. She done the damn thing. I think she deserves to be about as explicit as she'd like to be. Um, is like while also like pulling out really dope, you know, political lyrics like you know i which i think is my favorite it was the first one like popped in my head well there's two actually um just uh, from energy when she says just vibe vote not 45 don't get out of line like obviously pro voting being very like uh specific about it and i'm trying i want to make sure you would I go to that lyric well well and then there's the other one that i like heard while i was working out to it she was like um when she's talking about them karens is turning to terrorists you also would <laughs> like that one Sorry, it was so overtly political and like on the nose. I was like, I can't help it. They did. They is. I actually really like. Um, I really like in quiet or I don't know what I'm saying. I really like in the song cozy. 
um, when she just says comfortable in my skin, cozy with who I am. Yes. And I just kind of feel like this album is a very confident. It's a, it's an album that exudes confidence and makes me feel more confident um, and just like happy. And I feel like it's quite empowering. Like I like listening to some of these lyrics. I think it's Definitely. really empowering. And yeah, I mean like, and I'm just going to highlight this one again. Cause I think it's, great i think it's a great way to start you know and i'm that girl i pull up in these clothes look so good and i'm like let's go back to that whole whiteness conversation we were having (laughs) and prepping for this this part um i apologize to the community for allowing that comment to be said well, well, but also like you know, as much as like as much as Church Girl is like obviously very much a fun dance song, in in this in the the same vein of like it being uplifting and 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 about feeling yourself. Like she says, I'm finally on the other side. I finally found the urge to smile, swimming through the oceans of tears. We cried, but you know we got church in the morning. Like she like uses it as like this fun dance song, but like it also is talking about like why don't we get to be both, right? Like why don't we get to go have fun and and, and be happy to be alive, but also know like we got church in the morning. Like I just think that like it and and I think. Terrell, you would get this, like, those kinds of things speak so much to, like, a reflection on Black culture and church 100%. culture, like, in in, in, a, in a really important way, because we don't, like, no one has that conversation. Like, no one is saying, hey, like, why do, like, why do our, our Black churches that do feel like home, that feel like safe, like, s- safe for us, why do we feel like we have to walk away from them as we get older because of our inability to, like, stand in our own light, in our right? Yeah. And be adults. And I just think that that's, like, an important conversation to be had. But also, I think with Church Girl too. Um, my supervisor actually highlighted this, which again comes to this duality of people come for Sierra because she has this image of being a housewife and being religious and all of those spaces, but also likes to wear sexual clothes and people feel a certain kind of way about her of like, which one are you? You have to pick between the two of them. Um, and I think with church girl, it's, and she ironically loved the song it's a great moment to say, yeah, like this is the duality that individuals in the religious culture have to play with. And I, I don't want to speak for you, Torrance, but personally, as I grew up, I got to see a lot of those adults were living those dual lives, if you will. They were doing oh, yeah. all their fun stuff on Saturday, but they still had church in the morning. They still showed up in their Sunday best and they were still there in this image that was then used to train younger individuals like myself at the time to be, this is what you're supposed to look like every day. You're supposed to be this way. And that pressure, that mental struggle, the tears that you shed because you never feel good enough only to find out later, oh, they're letting off their steam Friday, Saturday. They just know how to polish it up on Sunday. I need to be able to do that too. I I do think that is a great understanding um, specific to a culture I grew up in. When the last line she says in that song is, I ain't trying to hurt nobody, just trying to bring this life up in your body. Like, yeah. it's both. But, um, yeah, all up in my mind is still the best song. So I'm just like, you can't beat lyrics of you give me that real good feeling that I need. Why don't you take the time to really notice me? I try to get all up in your mind. It stops at a crime and I'm going to make you mine. I try to get all up in your mind. Be careful what you ask for because I might comply. Like to that sexual nature, to that that understanding and the struggle of being in a relationship and truly making sure that you're being true to yourself, but recognizing that this is a person who's on your mind 24-7 and you're questioning, are they thinking about me the same way? 
Am I all up in their mind? What is this? I would do anything to know that I'm always the first thing you think about. Like, I know there was some conversation of like, Beyonce is this multi-billionaire. She's up in the clouds. Like she doesn't necessarily connect with us average folks, but that is a true thing that we all go through. And I, I don't think at least now we're able to have a more robust conversation about that from a relational sense of, yeah, these are the struggles that we go through. These are the things that we need to be talking about. Well, I guess we'll say this. Thank you, Beyonce, for the very, very good music. And we'll be right back. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dangerously underscore likely or email us at dangerously likely at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening for notifications of our new episodes. Maybe even drop a link. Give us some feedback. Let us know how you feel a like. (laughs) Give us a like. Drop some feedback. Let us know how you're feeling about our episodes. But how about you take us on a tangent, Torrance? So as I was just saying in our, I was I was between two honestly today because, and I might give you two one that's serious and one that's kind of just funny. You um, taking up time and space? What? I know I, I I never feel you know entitled to do that. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to say something that like I, I I wish I could remember exactly where I recently heard this or where I read it, but and next I want to I want to credit them because I've been thinking about it nonstop for probably a week. This concept of politically agreeing to disagree right because i think all throughout george floyd through the racial conversations through like when we talk immigration these more social focused issues that we are that we heard a lot from our republican counterparts saying well can't we just agree to disagree on that right but then i'm t- I'm, t- I'm thinking about like all the policy positions that they hold and and specifically i'll use i'll use abortion as, as the option is that they don't actually want to agree to disagree that's not that's not what they're what they're advocating for to agree to disagree would be would it be a scenario where we both get to have our choice to do what we would like to do personally because of our own personal values and our own personal decision making right what they are advocating for constantly from a policy standpoint is to eliminate our ability to choose our ability to agree to disagree with them and go in our own directions and so i just think that that is something that we really need to be pushing back on because that's not what they advocate for that's not what they want what they want to do is avoid a hard discussion and a hard conversation about policies that seriously matter and affect people and they want to impose their values beliefs and let's be clear about it their fucking religion on other people and they would not like the same because quite frankly i i know people are not like that we haven't this is maybe a bit hyperbolic maybe a bit dramatic but like the pursuit of 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 the christian theocracy in america um as far as like how they're trying to regulate schools how they're trying to regulate women's bodies how they're trying to regulate um access to educational information along what is acceptable through their lens of christianity how is that so much different than sharia law how is that so much different they're white I just want, I, I, exactly, but I want to say, I, you know, like, like th- that's it. It's racism that's at its it. play, always, always. But um, if you held a like, paper bag to them, they would pass the test. That's the difference. Thank, 
you're the worst. Um, <laughs> they, I just think that like those things are really important for us to be thinking about in terms of the bullshit like lines that we receive from people in opposition from us in the conservative party in this country. Because as we, and, and I know it, we all know it. It's not true. It's not honest. And it's completely in bad faith. But we need to be using finding the right ways to push back on these narratives. And then my final little tangent is, who are you? 20-something or even 18, 19, 20-something-year-old people on TikTok in this damn nation who don't know pickles come from cucumbers. Okay, yes. Like, what the hell? Wait, what? People don't know that pickles are cucumbers. I mean, (laughs) what? The amount of them I've seen on TikTok is truly concerning. Like, Like, what did you think? They're like, oh, we thought they just grew. Like, you you thought we just grew pickles as they are? I've grown a pickle before. Yeah. Was it was it slimy before or just when it hit your tongue? Pickle alago. But like done. That was that was me signing off. That's it. (laughs) Tangents over. All right. (laughs) Well, that's our show. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. Pickle your cucumbers, people. You get to pick somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I literally had signed off, y'all. Because <laughs> I was like, these bitches, I'm done. <laughs> these? I said nothing. It's all Terrell's fault. Caleb, put me take in us that. on a tangent and please make it logical and short. <laughs> just If you I'm say anything kidding. about Mar-a-Lago, we will fight. <laughs> all right, y'all. So mine is just gonna annoy. It's an annoyed tangent because, you know, scrolling through Twitter as usual. And there's a screenshot of um, a Fox News, like, news banner that says biden's fbi ransacks home of potential 2024 opponent and like <laughs> good headline are you kidding me that's what's on the chiron that's what's called by the way chiron yes. yeah that thing <laughs> yeah no i'm do not, not, no, give I'm not fox, do not give fox news that much credit i'm sorry like i have to draw the line there as a person well what do you mean like they have so much outsized influence and that's like why this stuff not- is so dangerous and fucking frustrating Call them a Nazi organization. Do not call them the Chiron. Anyway. No, that's the banner, I think. That Chiron is the literal, like, it's the actual term uh, for the banner across the news I thing. I definitely it's thought we were talking about something very I was, different. No, I was like, dude, I literally have a broadcasting degree. <laughs> it's, it's a Chiron. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, but honestly, I, that's pretty much my tangent. I'm just annoyed at conservatives. <laughs> All right, uh, move a logo on. Uh, <laughs> oh! Take us on a tangent trail. <laughs> I can't even laugh because what I'm angry about is so frustrating, but just like being in space with y'all makes me so happy and so just laughing. Aw. Um, me too. But we are prosecuting 90-year-old men who were a part of the Nazi regime for war crimes and hate crimes and all of those things. The fact that a woman who lied about Emmett Till whistling at her is being let off by a grand jury is infuriating, frustrating, and just further proof in this country that justice has never been blind. It sees color oh too well. And that is my tangent. I just want to add like that, like something that's really important about that for people to understand is like that's because in this country they they have somehow been white people have somehow been able to disconnect themselves from Nazism and those beliefs and what racism, American racism, you know, looks like. And I think they, they see them as totally two different things and think obviously 
that that the Holocaust was terrible and that it's, you know, I mean, not all of them apparently at this point because the Republican Party is, you know, depraved. Calling you but, out Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> but but like they, they have somehow been able to disconnect themselves from that. But like I think they still strongly identify with like Southern American whiteness in, in the 20th century. So anyway, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this very lovely and very uplifting episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our show. I'm Caleb Smith. I'm Troll Couch. And I'm Torrance Witherspoon. And we're Dangerously Likely to see you next week.